We're going to jump straight in, guys. If you have your Bible, open them up to Exodus chapter 19. Go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible with paper on it or of it, yeah, turn in your smartphones, flip open, scroll to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter what? Well done. I like it. I like it. And while you're turning there, I just got to ask, culturally relevant question, has anybody seen that new Avengers movie yet? Yeah, like seven of us are diehard. Yeah, my wife and I, we saw it on Thursday night at 11 o'clock, opening night. Didn't go to sleep till 3 a.m., and it was worth it. It was so good. It's so good. Uh, but I got to thinking about that. Um, like, there is just this obsession in our society right now with superheroes, right? Like, this movie is supposed to gross opening weekend like over $700 million. Yeah, that's a million. Like, over the course of the next, like, couple months, it's supposed to gross over $3 billion with a buh. Like, that's in, some of us are in the wrong business. We need to start making movies. But... Suffice it to say, like, humanity in our society is pretty obsessed with superheroes. And, and I started, like, kind of pressing my brain, like, why are we so obsessed with superheroes? And I think it's because we all got problems. <laughs> right? Anybody got a problem? Anybody? <laughs> I didn't say look at them. I just said raise your hand. <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> we'll pray for you. Uh, but, yeah, we all got problems. And it, there would be something great if we could like get spilled on by toxic waste or be exposed to some radiation and all of a sudden get a superpower that would help us overcome our problems, right? And so I started thinking about when it comes to these superheroes with these incredible powers, is there a pattern to the power? Is there a pattern to the power? Because there's a lot of similarities when it comes to our heroes, right? I mean, you could even just think off the top of your head, like most superheroes have a secret identity, right? Right, let me test you. Uh, Superman, what's his secret identity? Nice. Well done. Uh, Spider-Man. All right, three of you. You're going down. All right, Batman. Nice. Yeah, right? Secret identity. And when it comes to, like, the power we have in Christ, we've learned a few weeks ago, John chapter 3, we are literally born again. We receive a new ID, a new identity when we say yes to Jesus, and we tap into the power in that way. So maybe that's the first step to the pattern of the power but I want to get a little bit more poignant with it. And so I thought, well, maybe it's not just the whole ID thing. Um, another pattern is superheroes tend to have a costume, right? And why has it always got to be tights? I mean, honestly, like why? Just I want to see one in like baggy jeans. But like even when it comes to our life in Christ, we get a new wardrobe, a new costume. It's called the armor of God, right? When we say yes to Jesus, you can read it in the New Testament. It says we are literally given the ability to suit up in a brand new armor that we did not have access to pre-Jesus. Without it, we are vulnerable to attack. With it, we are more than conquerors. So that, that's another step in the pattern, but I think there's something that prefaces both of those. And, and the first point in my message today that we're going to look at in Exodus chapter 19 that I think is a pattern amongst all heroes is the first thing I see is every superhero has an encounter. Somebody say encounter, encounter. right? Like they, they all have an encounter. They all have an encounter with something bigger than themselves, something more powerful than themselves that changes them and the trajectory of their destiny for the rest of their lives, right? Don't, we'll, we'll do a little superhero quiz. Um, here, I'll put a superhero up and you tell me what their encounter was. What makes Superman super? Yes, the sun. You got me. Yeah, right? The sun. On his planet, he was not super. On our planet, he came in contact with a greater power known as the yellow sun, and all of a sudden, homeboy is super, right? We got, we got a few more. Um, what made Captain America super? Right? You, you're the man. I like it. He's raising his hand. That is so polite of you, sir. I appreciate that. 
you rude adults just shouting out answers. No, we, you could just shout it out, right? What, what made Captain America super? Yeah, the serum, right? The super serum, like PEDs. Like he just got an injection and he was amazing. Uh, that was a sports joke. One guy got it. I appreciate you. What about the Hulk? What made Hulk super? Gamma rays. I appreciate you guys sitting right up here that know that you even got a shirt on with superheroes. I'm just, you came on the right day, man. We never. All right, next one. Next one. All right, this is the easy one. You well done, right? Radioactive spider. All right, one last one. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a little harder. What made Iron Man super? Somebody said money. No, it was although he was rich. It was when he discovered the arc reactor, right? The power of the arc reactor literally changed his whole trajectory of his life. And it's the same way with our biblical heroes. There's always an encounter that kind of starts the outset of their journey to change the destiny of humanity. We could run it all the way back to the father of the Hebrew nation, Abram. He encountered God. He had a conversation with God. And literally his identity changed from Abram to Abraham, right? His grandson, if you grew up in church, Sunday school, you know Jacob. Jacob literally had a physical encounter with God. He wrestled with him all night and it messed him up so much so that he walked for the rest of his life like a pimp and said he had a limp. And his name changed from Jacob to Israel. Another idea, amazing identification change in his life. You could go even further forward. Grandson, 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 King David. What happened to King David? He had an encounter with the prophet of God, Samuel, called him in from the field to his father's Jesse's house. Then he had a physical anointing of God's presence and power and calling on his life. And it's not just the Old Testament, New Testament. Every disciple and their encounter with Jesus all the way up to the 13th, rather the 12th because one got booted out. But Saul, what happened to Saul? He was doing his thing terrorizing the church on the road to Damascus and all of a sudden, boom, Jesus shows up. Amazing encounter with the power of Christ, and it changed his identity from Saul to Paul. And the destiny and the trajectory of his days was forever changed. The, the, the first step to kind of stepping into the power that God has for us is you must first have an encounter. Somebody say encounter. encounter. And right here in Exodus chapter 19, it's the same. If you grew up in church, you know who is our holy hero in Exodus. Yeah, Moses, our boy Mo. That's right. Yeah, and Moses had an original encounter with God. What was that? Yeah, from the back. Let's go. Cheap seats. Yes. The burning bush, right? If you've seen the Charlton Heston version or maybe Prince of Egypt, you remember. Burning bush, set, let my people go, set my people free, emancipate the Israelite slaves out of Egypt. And that was Moses' original encounter with God. But in Exodus chapter 19, Moses has a greater encounter, another encounter, a deeper encounter. And I find often in life, in my short time on this planet, I've seen this. When God is calling us to something greater and deeper, it will often come on the precipice of an even greater and deeper encounter with him. Because it was one thing for Moses to set the Israelite slaves free. It's another thing to lead the Israelites in the wilderness. Let me say it like this. It's one thing to give people what they want. It's another thing to give someone what they need. You feel me? Parents, teachers in the house, you know this. It's one thing to give kids snacks and playtime. Best teacher ever, right? It's another thing to teach them math. They're like, I hate you, right? But they need it. 
And so sometimes it takes a greater calling of patience, a greater anointing of his power to get people to lead people where they need to go. And Exodus chapter 19 is this encounter for Moses. So we're going to pick up. Let's start in verse 9. If you're there, say yeah. Oh, I like it. Like you're from the south. Verse 9, it reads, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready. Somebody say, Be ready. We'll, we'll, do, we'll cover that if we have time. And somebody said, get ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. And when the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. Did y'all catch what just happened? So God says, I am going to encounter man, and you guys need to get ready. Say, get ready. ready. And did you hear how they had to get ready? He said, consecrate yourselves. That's like a Christianese way of saying, like, be ready. In other words, get rid of all distractions so that when you come to that corporate encounter with God, you are ultimately as focused as you can be to receive all that God has for you. And they had some rituals and stuff they needed to do to get ready. But then he takes it a step further, and he says, draw a line, a circle around the mountain. And if anybody steps over, I don't care if it's your auntie, your mama, your cat, dog, or goldfish. If they go over it, shoot it. He says, shoot them. I guess bow and arrow style, like right? Like, that's intense. I mean, if I'm a parent, I'm putting my kids on those, like, kitty leashes those three days, right? You don't get any ideas, right? But it was a serious thing. To encounter the living God. I I, I like to say it this way. If you care, you will prepare. If you care, you'll prepare. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like if your man shows up to take you out on a date and he's sweaty from the gym, still in his gym shorts, hasn't shaved, you know, what does that communicate to you? He don't care. Let me, yeah, I'll just answer it for you, right? Some of you are like, he's busy. No, ma'am, sorry. (laughs) <laughs> you don't care. Again, fellas, the same way. If she shows up, you know, I, I won't go there. But, you know, <laughs> but if he shows up and he's got, you know, a nice shirt on, ironed up, maybe it's even your favorite color because he did a little Instagram stalking and found out before he took you out. And he's wearing that favorite color of yours. And maybe he shows up with flowers. He has a haircut. Maybe even he planned out a few surprises during the date. Some of you are like, oh, my God, <laughs> just thinking about it. <laughs> I understand, Right. But if you care, you will prepare. I mean, I've had this happen all throughout my life where exciting things would come up and I would get ready and I would get ready. And it's even like that when it comes to church. I mean, right here, what is happening, it's a corporate gathering where God's people are saying, we want to meet with God. So we're all going to gather together and come meet with God. It's a lot like what we're doing right here today. We all gather together and say, hey, God, we're here to encounter you, to meet with you. And it begs the question, did we prepare? 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like you've, you've been here before and like that first song will start and then you'll see that person. They're just like, oh my gosh, Jesus, this is amazing. I love this song. And then the second song and they're just like, this is my favorite song. And then the third song and you're just like, what's going on with you? And then after the message, they're just in tears. They're like, that was the best message ever. And you're like, really? I beg the question that maybe the difference of the encounter was predicated by the preparation. I wrote it down like this, the higher the preparation, the greater the expectation. The more you prepare for something, the more you expect out of it. And the cool part of that principle is you can never out-expect God. Come on. Yeah. Done. No. Um, don't worry, Mark. I'm not going to drop the mic. He's like, this is Dawson. We don't have that in our budget. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sorry. MLC joke. Uh, but the greater the preparation, the higher the expectation. And the cool thing about God, now, let me be clear. There is a caveat to that. You can have inaccurate expectations of God. Like, God, I tithe and I get a Porsche. Nah, maybe not. But I'm obedient in every area of my life. You're going to take care of me and be Jehovah Jireh. And his word says, if you delight yourself in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. His plans for you go beyond what you can dream or imagine. Your expectations can never exceed God. I actually, I wrote it down like this in my notes. I put more preparation means higher expectation, which extends the invitation for the incarnation of a greater demonstration of God's power, which brings the culmination of the activation to our faith and souls. Yeah, I don't know if you, that's the gospel preacher in me. I don't know if you know this. If it rhymes, it's anointed. <laughs> but to summarize that, the more you put in, the more you get out. The more you prepare, especially when it comes to spiritual things, the more you give God all you can do, the more he does what only he can do. And so it begs the question, when we come to church, do we just take a moment? And, and let me stop and say this. I know some of you barely made it here today, and we are so happy you're here. Like, I know it, it took everything in you just to get the kids dressed and out of bed and make it here today. And praise God, we are so proud of you for being here. But when we've been walking with Jesus for a minute, it does behoove us to at least stop before we come to a corporate gathering and say, Hey, God, whatever you want from me today, I'm down. My heart is open, just like what we were singing. I am ready. Use me today. And I guarantee if you pray like a prayer like that before you get here, what God may do may be drastically different. And so here comes the encounter they were praying for. Exodus chapter 19, verse 16, it says, And on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. What? Imagine if you were there. Third day happens, trumpet blasts, you're in the morning, you come out of your tent, and all of a sudden, fire and smoke, and a mountain is trembling, and it says the people trembled. Grown men, warriors, were scared, and they're looking at it, and Moses says, let's go towards it. <laughs> and they're like, ah! And so they walk all the way up to that line at the foot of the mountain, and imagine you're there, and it's shaking, and you're shaking, and you're like, are we going to die? And you look to your left. 
And Moses steps over that line and walks up into the cloud. And man meets with God. It's a special thing to encounter the creator of the universe, to come into contact with a power greater than yourself, much like those fictional superheroes would like. But there's another point in the pattern. The, the, the first step in the pattern I see is encounter. Everybody say encounter. But the second thing I see when it comes to our superheroes is they don't just have an, a first original encounter. They have a way to recreate the encounter. Most, if all not superheroes, have a hideout, right? They have what? Batman, what's his hideout? Nice. All right, let me test it. What is Superman's hideout? Well, yes, as Clark Kent. He said The Office. Also a good show. But, yeah, my, Russell got it. Fortress of Solitude. And you're like, oh, yeah, right. And why do superheroes have a hideout? It's like Batman has the Batcave so he can work on all his Bat gadgets, right? Bat belt, utility belt, Batmobile, like, I don't know, Bat blender, whatever. He has it all in the Batcave. And without the Batcave, he is less of a Batman. Superhero has the Fortress of Solitude so he can go away and remember who he was and his purpose on this planet and where he comes from and why he's doing what he's doing. And it's the same with many of our spiritual heroes. Right here, Moses, if you fast forward to chapter 33, check this out. Then Moses used to take the tent. Everybody say tent. Oh, come on. That wasn't everybody. Everybody say tent. Nice. Thank you, wife. You are so loud. I appreciate your support. Now, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his or her tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, just like on the mountain. And the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw that the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as man speaks to his friend. Could you imagine this? This is powerful. And to illustrate it today, I actually went and got the original tent of meeting. We did some excavating. It was some archaeological digs. And... Luckily, Walmart had it, and so we went, paid $18 for the tent. of No, obviously, this is not the tent of meeting. It was much more elaborate than this. I'm sorry. Uh, something fell. <laughs> but for today, this is our tent of meeting. Everybody say tent. So just imagine, imagine like, um, imagine Patrick, the guy that was up here leading worship. Imagine he's like, all right, guys, I'm going to go talk to God. And we're all like, all right. And he walks over to the tent, and he gets in. He zips it up, and then, boom, cloud of smoke. We would all be like, he's dead, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what is happening? Five minutes goes by, 30 minutes goes by, hours go by, and then the smoke rises. It unzips, and Patrick comes out, and you're all like, Corey, go talk to him. I'm like, no, you go talk to him. And you're like, you're the pastor, go talk to him. I was like, what does that have to do with it? And we just argue, and then I'm like, fine. And so I go talk to Patrick. I'm like, Patrick, are you okay? He's just like, I'm better than okay. What happened? What happened in there? And he says, you just got to go in there. You got to experience it for yourself. Because when the presence of God falls 
When you meet with God, there's nothing like it. That's why David in Psalms writes this, Psalms 27. He writes, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. David said, out of anything on this planet that I could ask for, more than money, more than fame, more than relationships, more than safety, more than all of that, I just want to be in God's presence. And he says, I would rather be a door holder in the temple of my God. And I don't know if you know this, the tent that Moses had became the tabernacle. The tent became the tabernacle, then the tabernacle became the temple. And David says, I just want to be in that corporate gathering, experiencing God's presence, because there's no better place. But then Jesus came, lived perfectly, died on a cross. When he died on the cross in the temple, the veil was torn, symbolizing that we no longer need a high priest, that common man can experience the presence of God. He rose from the grave, sent his Holy Spirit, and then Paul in 1 Corinthians says this, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? This is what that means. The same power that breathed the stars and created the universe, the same power that came down in fire and smoke and thunder and shook the mountain, the same power that came down on the tent, that came in the tabernacle, that empowered the temple, that same power, if you've said yes to Jesus, is in you right now. And the sad thing is, is we don't live like it. We don't live like it because here's the deal. If you've read comic books or seen the movie, you know every good villain tries to blow up the hideout. Joker always wanted to take out the Bat Cave. Lex Luthor always wanted to find this fortress of solitude because if you can keep the hero out of the hideout, you weaken them greatly. It is the same with our spiritual enemies today. The patterns of this world are flesh and the devil and his minions. One of their main tactics is to keep us out of the tent. Now, let me be clear. This represents your prayer life. This represents our personal time with the Lord in our hideouts. And it's no coincidence that Peter wrote this, and this is so good. First Peter 4, 7, it says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded, catch it, for the sake of your prayers. This is why, this is why I point that out. Oftentimes, we pray so that we can get something. God, give me healing. God, give me this. God, help me with this, right? We pray for a means to an end. Peter is saying, prayer is the point. He's saying, this is more of the point than what you get out of it. Prayer is the point. And what does he say? He says, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Modern-day translation would be focus. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in the millennial generation, kind of on the border, Gen X millennial. And we are awful at this. We severely lack focus, right? Because we grew up like with like an iPad playing a movie, checking emails, scrolling through Instagram, talking to a friend, and that's all while driving. Like it's nuts. 
Like, we just aren't good. And what happens? We go, okay, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to open up your word. I'm going to spend time with you. And we open up the word of God, and we read a cool verse, and we're like, oh, man, this will make a great story. And we pull it out, and we're just like, mm, hashtag holy moment. And then we start flipping through story, and we get a text. Oh, they said, check out this post on Facebook. And all of a sudden, 45 minutes goes by, and we were never in the tent. Because we've lost the ability to focus up and prioritize where the true power lies. And here's what I'm saying, guys. I haven't lived that long. I've only experienced this much time on this planet. But one thing I know, like, I remember the first time I encountered Jesus. I was six years old in a little Southern Baptist church up in Pace, Florida. And the preacher gave a message. And I remember the truth of Jesus Christ came alive in my life. And I experienced the power of God for the first time. Then fast forward, it wasn't until I was 15 till I really started taking my faith seriously. And I was in a moment of corporate worship in Olive Baptist Church, a 2,000-seat auditorium. I was in the very back row and I went around behind the back pew just overwhelmed by the presence of God and I knelt down on my knees at the age of 15 and all I could say is I'm all yours God I'm all yours God I'm all yours God I remember at the age of 17 I'm trying to live for Jesus and my whole trajectory in life was to go to college and play this one sport and then something happened out of my control and it was ripped away from me and I remember running back to the tent going God why did this happen to me I thought I knew what I was supposed to do I thought I knew my calling and because of that I ended up going to the University of Florida, the number one party school in the country at the time, and experienced a revival where 3,000 people would gather in the middle of campus and lift up the name of Jesus, and thousands of college students came to know the Lord. And I remember getting back in the tent going, God, you're so good. You knew exactly what you were doing. I remember while I was in college, I went away to Africa on mission, thinking I was going to be this big, bad missionary and come back serving people. While I was there, I contracted malaria, came back. I couldn't even serve myself soup. I was like, Jesus, what is going on? on right now, back in the tent, just crying out to him. I remember I graduated college going, God, show me what I'm supposed to do with my life. He was like, you're called to ministry. I was like, yes. He's like, but you won't get paid anything. I was like, but God, why? Like, help me here. And then all of a sudden I get this opportunity to be a pastor down in Lima, Peru. And I was like, South America, God, I don't speak Spanish. Help me. Like, I'm just like, please, Lord, what do I do? And then that campus goes from like 80 people to 800 people in a matter of a year. And I'm going, Jesus, you're so good back in that tent. And then I end up leaving that church. And then the same day, I resigned from my job, lost my house, my car. And six months later, I got pneumonia, was in the hospital for two months, became jobless, houseless, carless, healthless, all in a matter of six months. I'm back in the tent going, God, what are you doing? I need you right now. Fast forward the next year, helping plant churches in Europe and New York City and on staff at another church going, God, you're so good. Fast forward again, and I'm married going, yay, I'm married. And then I'm like, oh, God, I have a spouse. <laughs> and many of us, some of you are like, yeah, I want kids. What do I do with this, God? Right? But here's my point. I know it's only this much life, but one thing I've learned is life is transient. Things change. People come and go, relationships come and go, jobs come and go, locations come and go. But there's one thing that can remain the same. You got your tent. I, I preached this message a few years ago, and shortly after, a buddy sent me a picture. He went out and bought a tent and put it in his garage. And that's where he would spend time with the Lord every day, every day. And his kids knew when daddy's in the tent, don't mess with him. You want him in there. And when he comes out, he's a lot nicer, Right. There's a great book called Circle Maker, Mark Batterson. He talks about in one of his bedrooms, he took some chalk and just drew a circle on the floor. And that was his special place to meet with God. Every day he would stand in that circle. Say, God, I'm here to meet with you. 
I'm in the hideout. Let's do this. My great-grandmother lived to be 99 years old, lived in this old little wooden house in Gaydon, Louisiana. And I'll never forget after she died, after the funeral, we went to her house and the furniture was being moved out. And I saw in the corner on her old wooden floors, she had lived there most of her adult life, two indentions where the wood was lighter. I said, Mom, what is that? She said, that's where Mama Simo would kneel down every day. She wore the wood out, spending time in her hideout with the Lord. Man, if you're struggling with peace today, if you're struggling with overcoming, if you're just get in his presence, spend time with him because every hero needs an encounter. Say encounter. Every hero needs a hideout. Say hideout. And finally, there's one more point in the pattern that I see every hero has is they all have a mission. Somebody say mission. And what's Superman's mission? Save people. What's Batman's mission? Save people. What's Spider-Man's mission? Save people. What was Moses' mission? Save the people of Israel. And what's our mission? Matthew 28, the great co-mission. Go ye therefore into all nations, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And we hear that and we're like, God, you literally just told us to save the world. And he says, yeah, but remember the last line, I'm with you. You can take me anywhere. You're the temple now. You have the power now. Go fulfill the mission. Let me pray for you guys. Father, thank you that we can't encounter you, that we can't hide away with you, we can run with you, we can carry you with us no matter what you are with us. And thank you that you have entrusted us with this mission. God, right now, in a special holy moment where we have come together just like the nation of Israel to encounter you, I pray that if there's somebody here under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, that they would take that step to encounter you today. And if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, just on your way out, stop by the guest services area. Tell the person that brought you, say, man, I, I want to encounter that Jesus today. And God, for the rest of us, we just thank you that no matter what we're going through, we can get in the tent, we can get in your presence, and your peace can come upon us. You are so faithful to give us that peace, God. Father, we love, adore you, worship you, and thank you. In your name we pray, amen.